everyone, this is Dustin Bryant, the Personalized Academic Director here at the National Alliance for Insurance, Education, and Research, and the host of the Awkward Insurance Podcast. Before we jump into this episode, I wanted to take a second to tell you about the Insure Tech Connect Las Vegas 2023 Conference. ITC has partnered with the National Alliance to provide a discount code for anyone ready to register for one of the world's largest insure tech conferences. So head over to vegas.insuretechconnect.com forward slash register and use discount code AWKWARDVEGAS in all caps to claim your discounted registration today. Also, be sure to check out Awkward Insurance wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Nat Alliance Now. Welcome everyone to another edition of Nat Alliance Now. My name is Paul Martin. I'm the Director of Academic Content here at the National Alliance for Insurance Education and Research. I want to welcome you. We have a very special guest today on the podcast. His name is John Barbergallo. He's a strategic advisor to a company called Samba Safety, and we'll talk about Samba Safety a little bit. But uh, we're just tickled to have him and having a conversation today about what they do. Welcome, John. Thank you, Paul. It's, uh, it's good to be with you today. I'm looking forward to it. Well, let me start off. Samba Safety, who is Samba Safety and what do they do? Well, Samba Safety is a uh, technology company, software as a service company, and they provide a variety of data solutions to both large commercial carriers, small commercial carriers, basically what they consider their workforce clientele, and increasingly bringing those same data solutions to the insurance industry. Thank you. Well, as, a, as an advisor to Samba Safety, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got here. Yeah, I, I'm relatively new. I, I joined uh, Samba Safety over the summer. After uh, wrapping up what was a 39-year career in the property and casualty insurance industry, the overwhelming majority of that career was in executive leadership positions with Progressive Insurance. And really, the last 13 years of that career was as president of their commercial lines division. So, you know, I have a certain perspective on the industry. I'm fairly deep in it. And... When I got to know the folks at Samba Safety, it became clear to me that there was a real opportunity to blend what they do so well for kind of their workforce clients, those motor carriers and other commercial operators, directly in with the needs of insurance carriers today, especially today. Well, your background with Progressive is interesting because they were one of the real cutting edge auto carriers that tried new data sources. I think they were one of the first to use credit scores. Yeah, that, that's true. I, you know, I, I was fortunate, uh, given where we are today in the world, I was fortunate to, to spend my whole career in an environment that really revered data and understood the value uh, that data could bring to business decision making, and particularly in the insurance space, just pricing and underwriting decisions, things of that nature. So, you know, when you have that reverence for data, you, you, you invest in the infrastructure to uh, not only ingest and archive it, but curate it over time and ensure the quality, the ongoing quality of that data. That, that's the perspective I come from. And again, joining up with Samba Safety, it, it's very relevant for what they do and what they can bring to the marketplace. 
The audience should know that the National Alliance and Samba Safety had recently collaborated on a, a study, lack of a better word, some, doing some research, some surveys and things with the insurance industry. From Samba Safety's standpoint, what really inspired you to work with somebody like us, an educator, to do the study we're going to talk about? What was the inspiration behind it? Well, I think there was a feeling that there, there wasn't a, a really good comprehensive assessment of where the industry was with respect to capturing the power of telematics and you know where things would be heading and at what pace. So I, I think there was kind of a vacuum of information around that. And the folks at Samba uh, joined up with the Alliance to fill that vacuum. And I think yeah, the results of the survey were uh, very insightful. As you know, the the Research Academy here at the National Alliance is an important part of trying to oh, help the industry just be better through research and finding out what's going on that the industry needs to know and going to sources like you to find out the latest. I know from our standpoint, when we get an opportunity to work with somebody like Samba and see what that data means to the industry, it can be helpful to, to educating producers and other insurance professionals that are trying to educate their customers about these things. But before we go any further with all that, what is telematics? You use the word telematics. Tell our audience what you mean when you say telematics. And there are probably uh, definitions out there. I'll share kind of my view of it. Sure. And it, it really uh, was born from the computerization of automobiles and, and, you know, really all motorized vehicles. You know, as they went, you know, I think the first stage was the creation of the uh, powertrain control module, which was a computer, which, you know, kind of was a decision maker for the automobile in terms of how and where to apply power to the powertrain. And as technology within vehicles grew, it just led to this proliferation of new data. I mean, kind of new to the world data on how that vehicle was being operated and performing. So both, you know, kind of data that went to the mechanics of the, of the vehicle, but also the human interface and operation of the vehicle. So it, it just created this whole new data source. And I, I think a number of parties recognized that that was valuable data that could lead to different insights that could drive better production processes and more efficient vehicles and safer vehicles. And the insurance industry, at least some of you know, the, the early adopters, also saw the power in that data and how it could improve both their efficiency and decision making and lead to a more efficient insurance marketplace. So telematics, uh, to answer your question, it really is data taken from the vehicle in terms of how that vehicle is being operated and how it is performing mechanically. Your comment about the computerization of, of vehicles is fascinating. I, I saw two lessons from this, even in my own truck recently, my Ford truck. There's two buttons on the dash that you can turn off a feature. Right. And one, one of them is to, it's a feature that allows the truck, if it's sitting in a light a long time, it'll just turn off. And it'll magically restart when you take your foot off the brake, right? But that's a little irritating, so I turn that off some, most of the time. And then there's another button. It's for traction control. And I didn't really understand it until recently. I had to take my truck to get new tires. And when I get new tires, I get new brakes. So I'm at the dealership, and they're doing all their work. And they came back and said something I'd never had in my life, and I've been driving a long time. They said, your back brakes are almost completely worn out, and your front brakes look new. And then I, I started looking it up on the, online, and I found out it's that traction control. It's trying to keep your rear wheels from fishtailing, you know, on a pickup truck, the way they yeah. do. 
And I went, your computer burned up my back brakes, you know, kind of thing. But, I laughed at it. <laughs> but anyway, I, that's completely new. Yeah, you know, you, you raise an interesting point, Paul. You're, you're a little bit like me. We don't want to give up control of, of the vehicle to a computer right. <laughs> or a computer chip. So the manufacturers have designed a lot of features that you can turn off, including safety features, right? right. And, and, you know, I'm fine with that being at the prerogative of the vehicle owner or vehicle operator, but that's useful information, you know? In an insurance context, was that safety feature being used? Was it not being used? It, it can help with a lot of different decisions. It could affect, you know, getting to a reasonable claims resolution. The more information you have, the better position you are to make some decisions on things. So again, all new data coming out of telematics. If I was in an accident and it was raining, I guarantee you that's one of the things they'd look at is had I turned off the traction control. I used to be a claims adjuster, so my brain goes there about how that's going to work. But anyway, so the insurance industry started studying telematics. And I know the trucking industry has been using this stuff a long time, right? About how fast the truck is going, the routes it's on, all that kind of thing. Even how many hours that driver's been driving. And track all that because they're driving the truck. But how has this gotten into the insurance industry in a big way? Yeah. So I, I think the early focus, and again, this was with a relatively small group of carriers that were early adopters. The early focus was on uh, personal lines or personal auto insurance. And it was really about just making better decisions around you know, if it was an underwriting-oriented company, you know, who to accept, who not to accept, or what tier to place them in. Or if it was a company like the one I worked for, it was, can we have even more granular, accurate pricing? In other words, have a, have a rate for every risk, but, but have a long continuum and match that price as accurately as possible to the uh, understood risk associated with it. So that, that's where it started. Initially, it wasn't easy to get at the data. I mean, the, the data was there, but to extract it and communicate it and then ingest it as a carrier, I mean, it, it was cumbersome. It took at least 15 years from the early efforts to get to a commercially viable insurance product that was relatively easy to activate. Then there are another host of issues around consumer adoption and things like that. But that's where it started. It was, it was really a, a pricing underwriting exercise. Now, simultaneously, you're, you're right, Paul, commercial operators, not necessarily the insurance companies, but the people operating fleets of commercial vehicles understood the value in this data in terms of you know, improving asset efficiency, understanding where their drivers were, <laughs> you know, the geolocation aspect of it, and understanding, you know, were they operating safely and, and within compliance with company rules and also, you know, state and federal regulations, depending on the business. So they saw the value in it too. So they, that that's kind of was where adoption came first on the commercial side. Commercial insurance carriers, frankly, were a little bit late to the game in my view. I did notice recently, because I was looking at the Accord app, the Business Auto Accord app, and they have a box for telematics. Right. And that wasn't on the Accord form for a long, long time. No, no. And, and there's a question of, you know, <laughs> what do they do with that, that information once they know it, right? Yeah. There, there's a whole effort that goes around, uh, you know, not only being aware that the data is available, but how is it av available? How do you ingest it? And then how do you activate it within an organization? There's a lot to that. So let's talk about two other groups here and how telematics can end up impacting them. Agencies, insurance agencies and brokers. And then I want to 
switch a little bit to customers about how they can benefit from this too? So uh, it really depends on on the customer and the customer profile, right? I, I think there's kind of different value streams depending on that. So I think in the personalized space, there's a few ways it, it could be very beneficial. One is it does help carriers understand which drivers are uh, operating their vehicles more safely than others, and they can reward that with lower premiums. For the carrier, you know, it helps them improve the accuracy of their pricing and therefore the profitability of their portfolio. So there's real value for the carrier, but there's also value for the consumer who operates in a safe manner. I also think for any any of the consumers, if the carrier chooses, they can make that information available to their customers in a kind of a, a digestible format, a dashboard or something, where they can begin to learn from their own behavior on how they might improve. So you think about situations, again, I'm still on the personal line side, uh, where you have a new driver, a youthful operator coming on the family policy. Well, that might be something you, you would value having the data to say, hey, there's certain behaviors here which are suggestive of higher risk, and you can then follow up and provide some type of training around that. I think you know that's one of the advantages of working with a third party like Asamba Safety. They can They can help you design and deliver those types of training modules. So uh, that's on the personal line side. As I think you get into kind of larger commercial risks, you know, the, the financial incentives to do that just grow. So it's not only about kind of getting better treatment in terms of the price you pay for insurance, but it's having really actionable data that as a cu- customer, you can really manage your driver force. You can be fully compliant or more fully compliant with your own risk management policies because you'll have better information on kind of what those drivers are doing out there. You know, it has application to ensure you're complying with federal regulations in some case. You you have our you have service hours in a in a very definitive way. You you know if those are being adhered to. Geolocation I think opens up a, a lot of possibilities as well just in terms of having a better understanding of how your assets are being used and it, is it your routing and other aspects of your business are are they as efficient as they could be so there, there's a lot of different benefits that can be derived from the data beyond just kind of the insurance aspect that could adhere or accrue to the uh, the policy i know this is kind of a generalized question but i've just noticed it over the past 10 or 15 years beyond t- just telematics cameras how cameras are becoming important on like on 18 wheelers they'll have road cameras that are they're active just to, to defend themselves you know when they do get in an accident they know this is what really happened is this telematics moving in that direction too to help yeah yeah you know i i provided you with a definition paul of telematics and i, I kind of excluded cameras from the discussion but I, you know that i consider that to be part of the of the the solution set that type of information can be very valuable for just the reason you're suggesting, it, it, it's really kind of on the uh, claims adjudication side of really understanding what took place immediately prior to, during, and, and in some cases after the event can be very beneficial. And as well as kind of beneficial in terms of understanding ongoing driver behavior. And then in, in situations, livery business, uh, where you're, you're carrying passengers for a fee, that type of thing, again, that inside the vehicle view. Can, can be very beneficial in a claim situation. 
let's talk about the individual insurance producer, the broker. He's talking to a prospect. How do you envision him or her leveraging their understanding of telematics to help sell to that, that account? Well, again, you know, it, it will depend a little bit on the customer profile, who you're talking to, and, and kind of what, you know, the what's in it for them piece will, will vary a little bit. I think for a, a broker, one of the things they probably first need to do is overcome any objections. In the early days of telematics, particularly with personal lines customers, personal auto customers, uh, that was a significant obstacle. I remember. In terms of, you know, were people going to be comfortable that this information about them and how they're driving is, is available to a third party? So you have, to, you have to address that. You have to address privacy concerns in terms of, will my information be protected? How will it be used? Who has access? So, they, you know, they, they're going to need to understand that, that there will be some objections and they have to be ready to deal with them. But once they do that, I think they can really start to deliver on what the value is. And again, that depends on the customer. Is it the ability to save some real money on your insurance premium? Is it the opportunity to kind of understand what's going on within your, your hired fleet of drivers and improve? their safety performance over time. And also, you know, that goes right to your bottom line if you can do that. So there's a lot of value there, but they need to kind of address any potential concerns up front that might prove to be obstacles. Going down this road, is there a danger of us getting too granular where the insurance mechanism part start, stops working the way it always has? I suppose there's always a danger when you can't fully project what the future might look like. But, I mean, I, I think here's the reality of the world today. Technology continues to advance at a fairly rapid rate. The degree of connectivity we have in our world today between people and machines and machines and other machines, that just continues to expand. And with that increased degree of connectivity that comes along this proliferation of new data. Mm -hmm. And within that, there are insights to be had. So, you know, could this take us in a direction, an unintended direction that we don't like? Perhaps. Uh, I'm a little more optimistic on that. I think there's a lot of good that can come out of that, that can drive a safer environment, that can save lives, that can lower costs. And let's remember, at least in the United States, this is a highly regulated industry. And it's imperative that our regulators become informed and understand where the technology is taking us. So, yes, it's a, you know, it's a possibility. I don't consider it to be a high-level concern. I think the opportunity is great. And I just think it's where we're going. Okay. Um, and I, I think carriers uh, and agents have to... In my view, they have to kind of embrace that, that if you don't embrace that influence on the insurance business, you run the risk of strategic obsolescence. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, part of what we do here, we don't just teach insurance to insurance agents. I mean, we're trying to educate and help the industry succeed. And sometimes that means our regulators who are not as educated as a lot of producers are, and they just need to understand the implications of what they did. John, I don't know, do you remember when Uber came along? Uh, I remember very well. As 
quite a bit of involvement in that professionally. <laughs> but you remember how long it took to finally bang out an agreement between Uber and the others and the insurance department. It took several years to iron that out. And when they finally did it, I was really impressed with the solution. I went, that's a good compromise. Yeah, but that's a great example of, you know, sometimes, and, and it's often driven by technology, sometimes society changes a lot faster than our institutions are able to change. And the Uber model, the ride-sharing model, really challenged the conventions, the traditional approach to auto insurance in this country. And it created a real problem. It created real risk exposure for individuals and, and operators. And it was, you know, it had to be dealt with. And you're right. It took a while. It took a while. But what became clear to me, at least, is society had moved on. Ride sharing was going to be a thing. It was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and as an industry, we had to figure out how to work with it. Yeah. We were, it wasn't going to be stopped. You talked a little bit about the hesitancy. What is that hesitancy people have? And do you see any change in it since, for example, the little plug-in thing started? Yeah, no, I, I think there has been a change. I, I mean, you know, adoption continues to, to go up. The on the personal line side, the motivation was always, hey, I can save money on a recurring bill that, you know, in many cases, a very meaningful part of someone's budget. So that was the incentive. I think there's probably multiple factors as to why adoption has gone up. One is I, I think as a society, we're just getting more comfortable with the idea that our data is out there and let's find good uses for it. I think carriers have done a good job of conveying, look, these are the data we will use and this is how we will use them. So, you know, hopefully taking away some of the mystery about it and also the fear of an application of that information that the the customer wouldn't be comfortable with. So, and I think transparency is very, very important. Oh, in, I would agree. This whole space of telematics. So, you know, th there's certainly a value proposition for the consumer, be it personal or commercial, where you can kind of lay out the parameters and they can make an informed decision to say, yes, this, this is in my best interest to do this. But it is incumbent upon the carriers to, to make that clear. Yeah, I think that education piece is really, really important. Maybe more and more people, as long as everybody's transparent, they will begin to see the opportunities and the value, and they're going to need somebody to tr help educate them. And I'm convinced it's going to have to be their local agent that helps explain this to them, helps them understand. Yeah, Paul, I, I'd also say, you know, there, there was resistance initially on the part of the agents and the brokers, right? And, and it was similar concerns of, okay, we understand how application of this data to decision-making might benefit my client, but there was also this concern of, well, how, you know, what's the flip side of that? And is it going to make the renewal more difficult or more costly? And, and is it going to limit my market options? Because, you know, good brokers and good agents are all about providing options and having a healthy, robust market. So that needed to be overcome. But as in anything, any new innovation, you know, you, you have your early adopters and, and some of them become champions and enthusiasts for the new process or new product. And uh, this one took a little while to catch on, but it has caught on and I think its influence will only continue to grow. The audience should know that we have been working with you in the last few weeks, months really, to 
get the pulse of the industry. And we have partnered where we provided access to industry professionals out there that Samba used very respectfully to gauge their, how should we say, what stage in this evolution are they're in. If you don't mind, can you share with us just some of the things that we've learned through that, that survey work and that study? And then eventually I want to tell people how they can get a copy of it. Sure, Paul. And, and as I said in the beginning, you know, I, I believe there was kind of a void. Like there, there wasn't really a, a great market assessment. So we really, at Samba, we really appreciate the opportunity to work with you and do this research and start to provide some of the answers around that. I would say overall, I didn't find any really big surprises in what came back. I, I think brokers, agents, carriers, the awareness that telematics in insurance is having a very meaningful impact is it's there it's you know high awareness of that fact generally high acceptance that this is where things are headed and virtually everyone surveyed was in some stage of a process of evaluation or experimentation or actual implementation right it was kind of across the spectrum so wasn't a big surprise to me. Uh, I was actually glad to see it. <laughs> what also kind of came out, to me at least, in the data was the, the fact that a lot of the market isn't that far along, that they're, mm. they're still kind of in the early assessment stage and potentially unsure of what is the correct path forward. And again, I think some of that just stemmed from an absence of, of kind of a collective assessment of where the industry's at. So struggling with what's the right level of investment to make, but certainly a belief that it has to be made. Let me ask you this question. I don't, I don't want to make it too esoteric, but my suspicion is insurance companies, all fine companies out there, but they don't really have the experience and the talent to be able to take all this data and make sense of it on their own. Would you say that's true? Yeah, Paul, I, I think you make a really good point and, and one that, that probably needs to be emphasized. Insurance companies are used to dealing with data sets and, and sometimes large data sets. The order of magnitude change that occurs with telematics is kind of beyond what many have ever contemplated. I mean, telematics data gets returned new data points you measure in seconds. Like there, there's nothing comparable today in the insurance world to the amount and level of detailed data you get from telematics. So that requires this whole different infrastructure around data, the ability to really, again, ingest, archive, and curate massive data sets. And it requires an upskilling of your data people within the organization. So it's an investment. There's no doubt that this is this is a significant investment. And I think that's one of the things that came out to me in, in the survey is why are so many of the respondents still at this early stage of evaluation development? I, I, I guess I was a little bit surprised to not see more across the board progress. But I think you've hit on the key issue. It requires a change. And navigating that change on your own it, you know, it's difficult. There's a lot of trial and error and a lot of missteps. And that's where having a partner 
that's experienced in, in those areas and has kind of uh, been through various implementations and knows what's required can be very, very beneficial. You know, John, I once was at a conference and, and was listening to several presidents of insurance companies talk. This is probably 20 years ago. And one of the gentlemen, a fine company, I won't mention their name, but it had a good reputation. He said that they had gotten to a point where they were going to have to invest, I think he said it was $200 million in a completely new automation system. And the, the question they had is, do we do that or do we just sell this thing? And they actually went to their board and they went, sell it. They sold the whole company because they weren't prepared to make that big of an investment because they weren't a strong technology company. They're a fine company, but they were going to have to take this giant leap into automation that they had never really made, and it scared them. That's why I say if an outsider can, can partner with a company, I just think it only makes sense that you could let the experts do their thing and then let us take their wisdom and, and apply it. But it's going to affect the IT folks. It's going to affect everybody. Yeah, but I would make two points on that, Paul, and I think you just made one of them, is you need to be thoughtful about the whole, what do we need to do ourselves or what can we work you know, through partnership on and, and let other people handle, right? Um, and there are options. And I think you're hitting on that. You know, there are third-party options to help you with the data ingestion, with kind of having the right integrations in place to do that, and, and the whole data management work stream. You know, I, I think the other important point to make is you don't go from your starting point to your ultimate destination in one shot. No. So yeah, it 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 can be a transformational change, and it can be over time a big change. But you need to step your way there, and that's in fact I I think that's probably the only reasonable way to do it. So I I think you know you you have to take a step back and say, all right, where do I want to start, and kind of have your criteria for prioritizing. Right? Is it well? Uh, this is the area that might be most impactful. This is the area that would fit in most easily with our existing processes and systems? Is this the area where we have the largest competitive gap that we need to address? So you have to figure out your criteria and you pick off a piece at a time. But I do believe that telematics data is so important to the industry that over time, it does become embedded in multiple different work streams within the organization. It's just not an underwriting tool or a pricing tool. As applica- broader applications to corporate risk management, to claims, to you know productivity within the organization. I agree with you. It's going to get into everything. I could see telematics getting to in your home. You know, already have the smart appliances and all that stuff, and sensors that there's a water leak in the washing machine room. Everything, but yeah, no, we've focused, or at least maybe I focus my answers on on automotive risk. But again, the degree of connectivity crosses all things. And again, there's there's risk in everything we do and managing risk is how we, you know, advance society. So yeah, lots of new data, lots of new opportunity. Well, John, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. I think this is a great conversation and um, I wish you and 
and Samba all the best, but we're, in, we're committed to continue to work with you guys so that we can educate the industry and hopefully we'll, we'll do you justice with it when we, when we learn things from all your data. So thank you for being with us. Well, it's my pleasure to join you today. Thank you. Now, I want to let everybody know that there's a link on this page with, with the podcast to the full report that we've been discussing in our conversation with John. So we invite you to check that out or visit sambasafety.com. But I want to thank everyone for being on this podcast. Again, my name is Paul Martin, and I will see you next time on Nat Alliance Now.